Hey everybody, it's Richie, and before we start this episode of the program, we of course want to tell you about DraftKings. It's playoff time, not only in the basketball, of course, but hockey too. Big stakes, big stakes, bigger promotions every day at basketball's playoff. DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. You download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use that promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day. Of the basketball playoffs, DraftKings free-to-play pools are easier to enter. Just download the app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. That's DraftKings, the app, promo code THPN. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Happy Thursday, everyone. I hope your week is going as swell as it can be. And if it's not, just remember you are not the Flames or the Canucks who had to play regular season games during playoffs when they absolutely did not matter and became basically the butt of every joke um to talk about that and many more things that around the nhl and of course our arizona coyotes with me per the usual my wonderful and amazing co-host richie suave flores how you doing hello Corey. i'm doing terrific before the show i was letting you in on a little secret you know we were just talking about DraftKings and I was letting you in that I'm on a roll betting-wise lately. I've just been rolling the Colorado Avalanche as much as I can. So I went, I bet the Avalanche on five different bets over the first two games of their series. Won them all. So they've won me about 30 bucks over the last couple of days, and I'm very happy about that. So I, I figured I'd start the show off very positive. And if you want betting advice, you can follow me on Twitter as the very casual and terrible better that I am. I don't think I've ever been on this big of a hot streak. So I'm like, okay, I'm pretty much done at this point. Like I won my money. I'm never doing it again. Cause I, I've been so good lately. <laughs> That's how I was with fantasy football. I won my first season of fantasy football and I'm not going to play fantasy football ever again because I'm, I'm leaving on a high note. I won. I am, I am a fantasy football winner. I am undefeated. And I'm just going to stay that way. That is the way to do it. Because then you can just, you can say, I'm the best fantasy football player of all time. Exactly. Like there, there's no. You never need. lost. Exactly. There's no need for me to, like, it stressed me out enough as it was. And I literally, like, my, the kicker who won me fantasy football ended up losing uh the vikings the playoffs so it was such like a bittersweet season and it was so nerve-wracking playing fantasy football and i see all the things that like scotty has to go through every single year for all of his fucking fantasy football teams because he has like four i just don't want to go through it again i can't even handle hearing him have to go through all the fantasy football so i'm like you know what i'm good i'm done so and that's the same way I feel like I would be if I was betting all the time. So that's why I have I have a hard time doing that too because I'm just I turn to a nervous wreck. Absolute nervous wreck. 
And like literally being a Coyotes fan is probably the most nerves that I need in my life. I, yeah, I, I agree. I 100% agree with you there. Um, and we were just talking about last week or I don't know. I think it was on this show where we were talking about how it's kind of nice to not have your team in the playoffs because you can kind of sit back and enjoy the games. Like there's been some really terrific hockey in the playoffs so far this year, the Bruins and capitals, three games, three overtimes coyotes fans remember very well that series against Chicago with five straight overtime games to begin the series. And that's what we're getting in this, the Boston and um, Washington series. That's kind of what I'm doing is I'd be able, you're able to stop the nerves and enjoy what's happening so far. And that's been really cool. And, um, and speaking of calming the nerves, uh, you tweeted it out from your, from the sporty account, I believe on, on Wednesday night, as we're recording that in order to calm our nerves tonight, we are drinking the same bourbon, which I've been waiting like six months to get and finally got my hands on. You got it before I did because of reasons um reserve bar sucks i didn't tell you the story i'll quickly tell the story here so pre-ordered the brothers bond bourbon when it first went on sale back in november it sold out within a matter of hours i was like cool i'm really awesome it's really awesome i'm going to be one of the first people to get this and then they delayed it several times along the way originally it was supposed to come out in like february delayed it once they delayed it again and then they finally say hey okay it's ready to go out i get an email saying it's ready to ship to me and then still haven't gotten it. I get an email from Reserve Bar. They're not a sponsor of this podcast, so I can trash them all I want. Um, that was like, oh, sorry, we tried to ship it to you, but um, it the delivery failed multiple times. So it got sent back to the warehouse. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I emailed them. I was like, all right, screw it. Cancel my order. I'm not giving you any of my money, you freaking losers. And I went to the lo- my local establishment found my brother's bond bourbon at total wine and more and Corey, you went to bevmo yesterday and got it before i didn't i was super jealous about it but that's what we're drinking tonight is brother's bond bourbon and uh cory can you please explain to the sporting nation why this particular bourbon is like kind of like special for both of us kind of <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we kind of went on to the the craze that everyone has been on lately, which is um, celebrities doing alcohol, like alcoholic beverages of some kind. Um, and so I had watched Vampire Diaries, like the first season, um, back when it was still on TV. And then I I actually got like way too into it. So I had to stop during quarantine. Cat and Richie drug me way back into it and um, got very invested, finished it all the way through quarantine and whatnot. Um, I actually think uh, that, uh, Richie, you haven't finished it, have you? You, I think you still have like two seasons left. No, we we stopped watching it after like the first couple episodes of season six. Season six. And they went mm-hmm. to what? So- nine? Yeah, so we stopped right before Chris Wood's character shows up. Oh my gosh. I thought you at least got through the, like, when Nina Dobrev leaves, but you didn't even get there. No, that, no. The we, Actually, when, when Kai shows up, those are actually really, that they're actually very humorous episodes. It's going to be weird if you, um, 
if you watched Supergirl first, which is what I did. Yeah. Um, because he plays an absolutely different character on Supergirl. So if you watched him on there, it feels a little weird to see him this way. But um, yeah, you'll have to at least finish that out. Finish it out until Nina Dobrev leaves, at least. The other, but I feel like you would enjoy the other two because it's less about Elena and it's more just about like the brothers themselves. Yeah, yeah. Give me more Damon. That's what I want. It basically is. It's it's basically the Damon show throughout that's the what, last few seasons. That's when we stopped early in season six is when Damon and Bonnie are like hanging out together making pancakes with weird like vampire smiley faces early in season six and the weird like whatever realm they called it there. That's when we stopped watching it. Yeah, it actually gets really entertaining once Kai shows up and stuff. It gets uh, and their friendship gets really entertaining. But so we we were watching that and um, and then after we had gotten into it and everything, it's, it's kind of funny. We did basically a similar thing with Arrow in the fact that with Knocking Point after Stephen Amell um, created his wine company afterwards. But we found out that Brothers Bond was being created by uh, Ian Summerhalder and Paul Wesley, who are the two um, main characters in the show. And they drink bourbon together on on the show, like throughout the entire thing. Obviously, they were drinking tea most of the time when they're doing the show, but the characters themselves drink bourbon all the time. So they decided and they when they would go like to comic cons and all these different things they would drink bourbon together and they're kind of bonding over it so they wanted to make like a a bourbon for everyone to bond over and i am i'm not the biggest uh bourbon person but richie is and so i was like you know what for richie's sake i'm going to really give this bourbon a try and so you know we've been kind of waiting for this and you know um i we follow both of them on social media and, um, you know, and some of the proceeds of this are going towards um, helping against global warming because Ian's got a, like a, a foundation for that and everything. And so we were all kind of really just really apprehensive about this because we're listening about them making it. And then they literally made this in quarantine, like in like someone's basement, basically, because they were just um, trying to get this done in the middle of, of COVID. So we were hearing so much about it and we're so like excited. And then the day that Richie was supposed to get sent it, they decided that the, however they mass produced it did not taste correct. And they had to send it back and have it be remade again. And then obviously, and Richie just told the story of like what happened since then, but we hadn't gotten it. And so they had just announced that it was available in a select amount of States. It was what, Arizona, Michigan, California, and Washington. And um, so we were like, since it's going to be here, I'm going to go find it. So last night, uh, Scotty and I went to BevMo. First night it was out. First time we were going to be able to get it. And we go through there. We couldn't find it at first. I had to like do a second like thorough search and found it soon as i found it texted richie told him we we have to like meet up so you can drink some of this obviously he went to go get some of his own today but uh scotty and i decided we were going to sit outside last night and drink 
some of it just as like a nice little nightcap. Literally, Scotty was like blown away. Absolutely blown away. Like I like whiskey in my um in in my coke like I'll drink like a Jack and Coke like all the time I did that all the way through Nashville but it's very rare that I will have bourbon on the rocks and I have actually been drinking this on the rocks and Richie knows how big of a deal that is absolutely yeah you you like mixing um quite a bit and are not a big whiskey drinker at all, which I don't blame you for. We've talked about on this show before. It's a very acquired taste. So I'm very proud of you that you're going you're going straight on the rocks here. That just tells you like how how good it is for like most of the masses of people. If you can get a non-whiskey drinker to like it, that's usually a pretty good thing. And because I think they know that like there was gonna be a lot of non-whiskey drinkers drinking it. So to have that mass appeal is a, is a good thing. So I'm glad that we both enjoy it. And, um, and I, I poured myself a nice little ounce or two. Um, it's gone now. So we're 13 minutes into the pot and I've already, I have a little bit left. So. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even surprised. Like it was funny. Like Scotty's eyes got like as big as saucers and was like, Oh, this is good because he was making fun of me in the beginning. He's like, Oh, I'm really glad that we gave our money to two vampire stars. And I was like, hey, some of it, the money is going towards, like, this charity that helps with global warming. Um, and so not that's not where all your money went to. And soon as he drank it, he was just like, oh, never mind. This is the shit. Like, he absolutely loved it. We both down the entire glass that we had poured last night. And I'm probably going to do the same with this one tonight. Uh, that's That's... Terrific. I'm very proud of you that you like it. This is good. This is good for our friendship. And I'm very excited about it. Um, coming up later in the show, speaking of our friendship, we have some we have a great story for you coming up about that is related to weddings and makeup. And I will tell you a little bit later. But I feel like we're 15 minutes in the show. We should probably get into some hockey conversation here. And we should probably dive into some coyotes news of the week. couple stories we want to touch on related to the Coyotes. Um, of course, we want to touch on the coaching search, which we talked about a little bit on the Monday show. And we also wanted to talk about the possibility of Jack Eichel being a Coyote come next season. But uh, let's, should we start off with the, the coaching search? Corey, should we start there? I feel like that's kind of the, the biggest question mark for the Coyotes this offseason. So I feel like we could we could go really deep in terms of looking at some candidates and whatnot here. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely say that is the number one question going on right now because as much as the Jack Eichel uh, conversation is out there, the probabilities of that happening, I, I feel, are very slim. So uh, the, the probability of getting a coach is 100%. So that would be definitely the number one story, I think, coming up for the Coyotes. Um here very soon so let's get into some of the candidates here that have been kind of publicly bandied about as far as uh, who might replace rick tockett now going back to what bill armstrong said at his end of the season press conference he was asked about this obviously and he was kind of like okay well what are you looking for in a head coach and i thought it was interesting the way he described it 
And I, I, I found it to be a little like the, it didn't match up with what he was talking about. So essentially he was like, okay, we want somebody like he compared to his time with the blues. And when the blues hired Ken Hitchcock, he, that was the example he gave, which is like, we brought in Ken Hitchcock and he was able to give this team a push that we needed to really get to the next level and become contenders. And then at the same time, he, he was talking about how this Coyotes are looking for a younger coach that has that same ability to kind of give this team a push over the edge. And I found that interesting. I was like, Ken Hitchcock is the complete opposite of a young coach. He, he's in it almost 70 years old now, right? At the time he was, you know, in his 60s, he's been coaching for 20 plus years by the time he got to the Blues. I was like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why are you saying, okay, we, we kind of want our version of Ken Hutchcock, but then you say you want a younger coach who's the complete opposite of Ken Hitchcock. And the other fascinating thing about that is, of course, Ken Hitchcock was not the coach of the team that won the Stanley Cup, right? Ken Hitchcock was fired. Mike Yo was brought in. Mike Yo was then fired, as you remember, Corey, midway through that Stanley Cup season when the Blues were dead last in the league at that point. They, then they brought in Craig Berube, and Craig Berube was the one to push them the way of the Stanley Cup. And we all know how Craig Berube and Rick Tockett are very close friends. They played a lot um, together, you know, they, they coach together and whatnot. And Craig Berube, to me, is very coaches a very similar style to Rick Tockett, too. And they're very similar in that way. And so I found it interesting how he kind of talked about that. And so when you look at the candidates, they're all young coaches who don't have any NHL experience as far as being a head coach, similar to what Rick Tockett had. Rick Tockett had only coached that little bit, a little bit amount of time in, in Tampa Bay. But here's some of the candidates, according to Craig Morgan. We have St. Louis Blues assistant coach Mike Van Ryn, who Coyotes fans know. He was the Tucson Roadrunners coach there for several seasons. He went on to win a Stanley Cup with the Blues, of course. So obviously Bill Armstrong knows him from the Blues system. Providence coach Nate Lehman who won the gold medal at the World Junior Championships this year with the United States. He's been there for well over a decade, won a lot of games, national championships with Providence. We have New Island, New York Islanders head associate coach Lane Lambert, who was Armstrong's teammate with the Cleveland Lumberjacks. We have Ottawa Senators associate coach Jack Capuano, who has been a head coach at the NHL level. We have Sharks coach Rocky Thompson. We have Andre Torigny from the Ottawa 67s. Brad Larson, who's with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and several other names bandied about there. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts about the Coyotes wanting to bring in a younger head coach? I mean, it makes sense. And in the fact that, you know, a lot of things with this team, you know, it's going to be a, a totally different team. I, I really don't think that Rick Tockett was the problem here. It's going to – it's really crumbles down to the roster itself and the way that they're going to upheave this roster is all going to be under the eyes of Armstrong and what he feels that this team needs moving forward. And um, if he feels like a young coach is what is needed for his vision going forward, then I'm going to trust him on that is because it's going to be whatever he creates roster wise for this team 
and I don't really mind the idea of a of a young coach in the fact that for a while now the Coyotes have just been getting increasingly younger as a team and I like it, the idea of them having a bright future of going up that way as opposed to kind of sticking to some of the old norms and some of the old ways that things are done because I don't think hockey here in the desert is traditionally like any other market and um if you want the prime example the golden knights you know came off their expansion year just on fire basically so really you if you start something from scratch and you start it good then that's a great builder for the future going forward and so I don't I don't really mind this idea um, I did think it was interesting that they said that uh, Shane Doan would be a resource on it and uh, Armstrong was quoted saying absolutely Shane has been involved in the NHL as a player and obviously at another level working for the NHL he has been involved with Team Canada like he is now he will continue to be involved in this process for the simple fact that he knows our core he has a good idea of what we need and a tremendous resource for for us. I actually kind of like the fact that they're going to include him in this because of the fact that he really kind of knows what's needed here in Arizona in particular. Um, whereas I don't know if Armstrong completely has a grasp on that just yet. He still has, and, and some people may get mad at me for this, but a, a little bit of a, a tinge to him. That's old boys club. And the fact that like, you know, all of these candidates, he knows really well and there are people that he's met over the years and they're like friends of his to some degree. So I, I would like, um, I do like the fact that Shane Doan's going to be involved in this. Cause I always feel like he has the best intention of hockey in this state over anything else. Yeah. You know, I, I was, um, I found it curious that they kind of were boxing themselves in with a younger coach. Because in my opinion, what this team needs is a, a a coach with experience, and ideally, that's what you want. Because for me, it's a team that, in Bill Armstrong's mind, is kind of is looking to get to that extra level. Rick Tocchet was able to get this roster to a certain point, being right there on the edge of the playoffs. Well, in my opinion, I'd rather have a coach who is more a little bit more experienced that has a little bit more of a winning pedigree that can come in and be like, and get this team to the next level. But unfortunately, I don't think that's very feasible and it's clearly not going to happen because number one, we know that the Coyotes aren't going to spend a whole heck of a lot in terms of a salary for a head coach, which is why your bigger name head coaches that are available are going to come here, right? Your Gerard Gerlant, your and those types of names aren't, aren't going to come here. And so that's why we're we're left with a lot of these these names that we got. And do you think pers- too that they also probably wouldn't want to come here in the fact that you don't know what this team is going to look like? Like you don't know what you're going to be expecting from this team coming into it. You you don't really have like you know um, in in the regard of like Rick Tocchet right now. He's I think in talks with the Kraken and um, the Rangers. And, you know, like him going into the Rangers, he he knows what to expect with that team. He knows kind of their style. 
But then if he was to go to the Kraken, he wouldn't really have an idea of what's what's ahead of him there. And I feel like those are some things as a coach you have to kind of toy with is like, do I want to go to a place that I don't know what's really going to be ahead of me and whether I will really be the best fit for this team, whether this team is built for my style or not? I mean, that that could be a part of it, sure. I mean, then that kind of is on Bill Armstrong to set out his ideas and his vision for the team to sell a coach on, hey, this is what we're trying to build here. Do you want to be a part of it? And, you know, again, I think that's where some of your bigger name coaches are a little bit hesitant, right? Where they want to go to teams that are a little bit more established, that are a little bit closer to contending. And so that's why your some of these other jobs, like the Rangers job, are a little bit more enticing, right, than some others. And I think the Kraken has that – they kind of have that – ability like the golden Knights show though you can contend pretty quickly in the right and so i i i i think you kind of might might be right there because you're looking at a, a team that's probably not going to contend for at least another two years right i think we're in that little kind of middle ground when it comes to that so that's why we're we're left with a little some of these coaches and I, as far as i'm concerned the Per, the um, person that sticks out the most to me is, like I mentioned, the head coach from Providence who has been there since 2011. He won the national championship in 2015. He obviously won the gold medal at the World Junior Championships. And it's something that we don't see a whole heck of a lot of, which is NCAA coaches coming to the NHL. We've seen a little bit of it, right? Um and it has it's had different varying levels of success and for the most part it really hasn't worked out for a lot of teams but for me the cool thing about having NCAA coach is a lot of times NCAA coaches they are in the in the business of developing players to get to the NHL right and Nate Lehman has a pedigree of doing that winning a lot of games at the NCAA level and he's been a head coach, right? So unlike some of these other guys who have just been associate head coaches or assistant coaches and don't have head coaching experience, um, and Rick Tocco was one of those guys where he he was an assistant coach for a long time, had a dip in the pool, like I say, with, with Tampa. But in Nate Lehman's case, he's been a head coach at the NCAA level. He has, was obviously good enough to earn the head coaching slot for the U.S., uh, junior national team there at the world juniors to win the gold medal this year. So he's got that developmental pedigree, which is something I think the Coyotes need over the next couple seasons. And I think he would be a really nice hire for the Coyotes. Um, Cause he checks off the head coaching experience and then he checks off that ability to develop players and talent. And, um, and I would like to see more college head coaches get head, get shots at the NHL level too. Well, yeah, and it also kind of goes back to the fact of what I was trying to kind of say before in the fact that, you know, I the way that I, I feel that it's going to go, obviously we don't know, but the way that I feel it's going to go, it's going to go more in the the youth um, to create a, a future for this team that's going to be solid down the road. Like, it's it's going to be a bit of a 
of a development era that we're going to be going through. I Hopefully it's not a very long one, but I do feel like we're going to be going through one at this point, not a full-blown like rebuild, but a, a situation that is going to need some breaking in and it's going to need some development through it. And so, you know, they're trying to find a young, ambitious coach that also has the ability to be what this team needs to to develop. So I, I agree with that in the fact that um, Armstrong is massive on, you know, really scouting and going through the full development of players, like and noticing them from, you know, the beginning till they're on the team. And that's he the first thing he did was tear apart the scouting department within the Coyotes when he came in, because that is his his bread and butter, essentially. So I could definitely see that. I mean, I always would say what I would lean to as the top candidate would be Mike Van Ryan because of the fact that, you know, Armstrong has such a good relationship with him in St. Louis in 2019, and he has a history here with the Coyotes and in a development part as well. So um, that would be where I would lean on this. Um, but I also feel like that's kind of the obvious choice. And I never feel like uh, Armstrong goes with the obvious choice. I, I do think there is something with him where he he leans towards certain things, development being one of them, but he learn, he leans towards certain things a little bit harder than others. And if the only other team that I actually see very similarities in the way everything is done, the way that everyone's hired, the way that the team has is currently built and everything is actually St. Louis. So I'm not particularly surprised that he is the way he is. But um, I would say no matter who he chooses, it's going to be someone who has an eye for seeing not just what a player is now, but what they can be. From what I've seen, a lot of Coyotes fans seem to be very big fans of Mike Van Ryan, like you just said. They, he seems to be the fan's choice to be the next head coach. And, and I don't blame a lot of people because he has the ties to the organization, obviously, already, and ties to Bill Armstrong. So check those two boxes with that, and um, he's one of those guys that you know does probably deserves to be a, a sh- get a shot as the head coach at an NHL level. Um, in terms of his coaching record, he's only coached two seasons really. Had a coaching stint with the Kitchener Rangers of the OHL, and then of course coached the Tucson Roadrunners in 2017-2018 to a division title um, that season too. Before he moved on to the St. Louis Blues. So he, he has some familiarity with a lot of the Coyotes players, right? Your Michael Buntings and your Connor Garlands and and the like. And that's that goes a long way, I'm sure, because, um, you know, he was a big part of the development of those two players. And I he don't know. He had a lot what, of success. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, and he has Stanley Cup experience, too, being a, a, an assistant with under Craig Berube there with the Blues. So um, I wonder how quickly the coaching search is going to go. It's – uh, we're in the middle of May right now. I'm curious to see if, you know, Mike Van Ryan probably going to have a short stint in the playoffs with St. Louis, I'd imagine, as the Avalanche continue to roll over the 
the St. Louis Blues in that series, as we kind of hinted at earlier on in the show. So I'm curious how the playoff teams, some of these uh, contenders who are in the playoffs right and coaching the playoffs right now, have uh, if that has any bearing on on how the Coyotes timeline comes about. Yeah, that's uh, that's sadly going to be kind of a, a quick one, and 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 we all kind of guessed it from the beginning. That was the playoff position that no one really wanted. Um, <laughs> we had that discussion with uh, the Blue Notes guys a few times, and the fact that um, you know the Avs are a good team and they're just running really hot, and uh, so going into that was going to be a, a rough series no matter what. And it was basically, did you want to get into the playoffs just to be happy that you were in the playoffs? Or would you rather just be out of it and be able to lick your wounds and be able to try and figure out what you're doing with your team from there on out? Because, again, if there is a team that is anywhere close to being what the Coyotes are, it is the Blues. We we suffer in the same way. It's like a fraternal twins. There's something uh, with our two teams that always seems to be uh, good but not quite good enough, <laughs> yeah, except they have a Stanley cup. So I, you know, they, they beat us in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, one more coyote story to touch on here before you wrap up the show and, and move on to something more fun to end the show. Um, probably won't spend a lot of time on this cause I feel like it's kind of an, an slowly becoming a non story at this point. Uh, last week, there were some odds published from betonline.ag about Jack Eichel's next team. And we posted this on Instagram, got some good reaction, good good reaction on Twitter too. Um, the Coyotes are listed as one of the favorites to land Jack Eichel. Betonline.ag has since taken down the odds here, but last week the Coyotes were the third favorite to trade for Jack Eichel at 4-1 to one, with the Rangers and Kings being the two top favorites. And uh, that kind of took me by surprise at first because I didn't think the Coyotes were really ever going to be in the conversation at this point, you know. But according to the one that one website, they were and started to get the conversation rolling. But according to Craig Morgan, though, Corey, that doesn't seem to be the case because Craig's article uh, on Sunday, I believe, or uh, or yeah, on Wednesday, or on Wednesday, Tuesday, this week, sometime this week, threw up some water onto that story, didn't it? Yeah, well, part of it is the fact that um, the fact that one of the things that they were wanting, and um, and the article came out on Wednesday. If you guys were wanting to figure out when the timeline, um, if you wanted to read it, but that it it was said that the Sabers would want a first round pick. Um, I don't know if anyone's aware, but first round picks have been very, very scarce for this team for the past couple years. So um, if they were to give up a first-round pick, it would not be until next year um, or the year after. And with how highly this team needs to be replenishing, um, you know, replenishing their picks and replenishing all of the guys coming in, I very highly doubt that is part of 
the offerings that the coyotes would have. And I also highly doubt that uh, that's something that Armstrong would want to give up, considering the fact that he, like we've said multiple times in this podcast, is big on the scouting side and really likes to bring in those players and develop them up. So um, I, I doubt he's going to be giving up any draft picks, especially not any first rounders anytime soon. Um, so I don't think that's in the question, but the other thing too is, you know, it would end up having to most likely give up Clayton Keller in, in the process. And personally, uh, you know, if Clayton Keller goes, I really, I'm indifferent on it. But I do feel like the team has invested in him and he it's going to um, kind of be a lot to get them to trade him as well. So, yeah, in, in Craig's article here, he goes on to talk about how um, uh, the Sabres beat rider again, talks about the first round pick, like you just mentioned, um, also goes on to say that you'd have to think that Buffalo would want at least a top young NHL player a top prospect and maybe a center. Um, this Sabres beat writer floated the idea of a package that included Clayton Keller, Darcy Kemper, and a pick, but the Sabres um, take center prospect Barrett Hayton instead of the pick. So that idea is out there. And to me, it's a pretty easy solution here, which is this team has been missing a number one center pretty much their entire existence. You ha- If you have a chance to get one, I'd sell the house to go get one for Jack Eichel, who is 24 years old. He has a, a contract for the next several seasons, right? Next five seasons, in fact. And he becomes a centerpiece of your organization in which um, you still have really good pieces available, right? If you – let's just let's just throw it out there. K- Keller, Kemper, and the first-round pick. You don't give up Jacob Chikrin. You don't give up Connor Garland. You, you don't give up Victor Soderstrom, which I've seen banning about from some people on Twitter. Um, you keep Barrett Hayton, who we still don't really know what he's going to be, but he's still a center, right? You don't give up Christian Dvorak, as you and I, I think, discussed off air. And if you have a chance to do it, you go do it, right? Like, we know what Clayton Keller is as a player. He's a 55 to 60-point guy a season. You know what Jack Eichel is? 75 to 80 points, guaranteed. That's an upgrade, in my opinion, right? Darcy Kemper's only got one year left on his contract. We've talked about the prospect of trading him previously. Um, I I would be okay trading Darcy Kemper at this point um, because I don't see Darcy being a member of this team past this next season. I think that Baton is seemingly headed towards the Aiden Hill direction for now, and Ivan Prosvitov for that matter too, right? So, look – Again, I don't think this is going to happen, but I think the Coyotes have some pieces that could make it work. Grant, do they have the pieces that the Kings have? Maybe not, but I think you, Bill Armstrong should at least make the call and see what can happen there. I'm not worried about giving up a first-round pick either, again, because I'm going to make I'm going to equate it to this. I'm a L.A. Rams fan, okay? Now, in case you didn't know, the Rams have not had a first-round pick in the last three seasons, I believe. I believe the last first-round pick they made was was uh, was Jared Goff, if I'm not mistaken, in 2016. So they've gone 17, 18, 19, and 20 without a first-round pick, I think. And they seem to be doing fine. They're making the playoffs because they know 
that if you want to win, it's okay to give up future prospects and maybes to go land big-name players and players that are going to help you win now. In the Rams' case, they ended up getting Jared Goff, who took them to the Super Bowl, where he's now gone, obviously, right? Then they added Jalen Ramsey recently. They gave up two first-round picks for him. He is one of the top five best corners in the league, was the anchor of the best defense in football last year, and they made the playoffs again. Oh, and then they just added Matthew Stafford as their quarterback, who is an upgrade over Jared Goff, too. So that's kind of what I equate it to. Is like I'm okay giving up first-round picks for players that you know can produce at the NHL level, and, and Jack Eichel is one of them. Do you have faith, though, that he will produce and he will do fine on his own um, without depending on, without counting on any um, supporting cast around him? Well, I, I think he will have a supporting cast. That's my point is there are still there are still players on this roster who are young enough that you can you still have that kind of infrastructure with those players minus Clayton Keller, right? So in this particular deal – Nick Schmaltz is still around, right? A nice player, right? Not the greatest player, but a nice player to have on your roster, a good contributing player. And then you still have your younger players like your Yon Uniques, your Victor Soderstroms, your your Haytons possibly, right? And then you have your, your Chikrin anchors. Well, then what, what does Bill Armstrong do? Well, you just have to hit on some of your middle-round picks, which we've seen they can do. Christian Vorak, second-round pick. Connor Garland, late-round pick, right? So we've seen... Their ability to do it. Um, Michael Bunting, I believe, was also a, a mid to late round pick too. So we've seen it happen. And then you can kind of fill in the rest of the gaps through free agency. And you can build a nice roster, in my opinion. So, Yeah, that- I mean, th- this, was an, this was an argument actually preparing for this podcast that Scotty and I were having. Um, and it was, it was interesting because I was saying in the fact that it would be difficult to – to basically sell the farm in order to get Eichel when I don't have as much faith in him to, you know, to like really hold on his own as I would like, it's not, it's not that way. The NHL anymore is not the way of where you can have one superstar that can carry your team. There's a, you know, a handful of them that really can do that in, in today's league. So you've got McDavid, you've got Matthews, uh, Kane and Crosby, and then probably Eichel somewhere in there. But you would have to be banking on that in the fact that you would be giving away a, a lot of your, like, top um, top value for him, and then you would be ha- be banking on – free agency basically coming into this and so you would either really be banking on Jack Eichel doing great here and holding his own no matter what his supporting cast is or b that he as a top star and with that quality would um get people who are questionable about coming to the Coyotes to come to the Coyotes just because his name is on the team. I feel like those are the two things that you would have to be banking off of if you were to try and do a, basically a fire sale for Jack Eichel. Yeah. And that's why we're not the GM. That's why Bill Armstrong is the GM. So he's going to be the one making these decisions 
and not and not us. Um, one last thing on this is Craig kind of brings up in the article the possibility of Jack Eichel not really being the kind of leader that you'd want him to be, more or less. That he is, you know, not your top tier kind of culture type guy, I guess you could say. And uh, is that would that be a concern to you too? I feel like he, it would be for you because I think we've talked about it in some stretches on this show before and and how we want the Coyotes to build a, a better culture. Yeah, and it, it's been, to me, um, sans Stepan, there's really not been um, a player on this team that really feels to be a, a complete leader. I mean, Dvorak, I felt like, has stepped up. Um, Phil Kessel does a, does a decent job at it. Um, and, but I mean, overall, who I've very largely been disappointed in leadership wise has been OEL. He, he does a great job, um, you know, in the community and doing all of the other stuff. But I, I feel like when it comes to the locker room and on the ice, he, he just, it's just not in him. It's not part of his personality. It's not part of just what he does. And I think it's hard with a lot of the younger guys and, whatnot with with that leadership quality and there needs to be um a strong leader in there and it and it's fine if Eichel comes in and he's not that way if the if players get brought in around him that are great leaders it's just difficult when you are the star and everyone is looking towards you to not be that person. That's a lot of burden to put on someone, but it's kind of, it comes with the territory. And I don't know. I just feel like a toxic, not saying that he's toxic in any way, but anything that could possibly lead to a toxic locker room is also a a red flag for me. Yeah. Especially when you're, if you're Bill Armstrong and you're Coyotes and you're clearly wanting to build Around a lot of younger players, that's something that you definitely are kind of, I think, fearful of. And so, Blum Strong again has a lot on his plate here. Let us know what you think about the uh, Jack Eichel situation. You can do it at Corey's show on Twitter. Okay, uh, let's wrap up the show, Corey, with this. I texted you this before the show, and um, I, I was like, oh, well, this this works out quite well because of of your wedding that is coming up next year. And allow me to introduce you to this story, Sporty Nation. A woman has opened up about her best friend's deceit as she told her she wouldn't be allowed to attend her wedding if she wore makeup. In an anonymous post on Reddit, the woman explained that she is the maid of honor at her best friend of many years wedding. In the run-up to the big day, the woman admitted that she's been breaking her back to ensure everything runs smoothly, even taking time off work to help her plan at all uh, for context i'm a makeup artist i wear makeup every day and i'm good at it she explained in my opinion uh, i am significantly more attractive with makeup on and in all honesty i lack confidence without it i also have a scar on my face which that i hide with makeup and i'm very insecure about so i kind of i kind of feel bad for this person like well, saying also, she like has been told multiple times by her friend that she's not attractive 
without the makeup on. So I don't know if she's actually not attractive without the makeup on. I, I highly doubt it. It's like, it's, you have to go and do a lot to really, really change your face with makeup. Like, and I mean, she is a makeup artist, so I'm sure she's good at it. But I feel like it's more like her friend told her enough times that she's ugly without makeup on that she now believes it. She says, if I wear makeup, I will overshadow her at her own wedding. And it would be unfair because she wants to feel like the most beautiful person in the room as the bride. Okay. So a- after you had sent this to me, mm-hmm. my my first initial response was to tell you that I am sorry, Richie, you are not allowed to wear makeup at my wedding. Um because of this article, I don't want you to overshadow me at my wedding. And that was like my my joke, and I, I laughed about it for a while. But then I like sat there and thought about like this whole thing, right? Obviously, her friend has always been very jealous of her, and this is very toxic friendship. And she just she needs to not go to that wedding. She needs to end that friendship because there's a lot of toxic things going on there that she does not need to be a part of um but it it made me really like stop for a minute and think about the whole um you know brides and this being their day and and that whole thing and it's funny now that I'm in it and like and I and I literally have been on both sides very much recently like my my best friend from high school she just got married and then I'm getting married a little over a year after her wedding and it's funny because I feel like I was more stressed when it came to her wedding than with mine in the fact that like I'm obviously more stressed about like um you know getting everything done everything being right but in the end of it all, like, I just want to enjoy my wedding and, and just enjoy being with all of the people I love and everyone, like, just enjoying themselves. And I I thought about it, like, if you really, really care about someone else that much on your wedding day, you're not truly enjoying your own wedding because you're so worried about other people that you aren't focusing on being present in your in this in something that's literally supposed to be about you and your significant other the other people are just supposed to be there to celebrate with you that's the whole point of it is to be that support system they if they want to worry about those things they can but you shouldn't be so focused on someone else that that's how you would feel about it i mean like obviously someone can't wear like a giant peacock feather in their head like walking down the aisle at my wedding that's just gonna look fucking weird but I'm not gonna be like oh no you need to make sure that this is this way and that's that way and like you know the the big shit that everyone's the same color and all that like you know I have Richie in my bridal party you know some people it's funny um someone actually had asked me like well well, what, what, when someone needs to hold your bouquet, is he going to be the one holding your bouquet? And I was like, no, my friend Kat's going to be holding my bouquet, but, but who, who would honestly give a fuck? Like, that's, that's my wedding. Like, 
if he was had to hold a bouquet, guess what? I would look damn fucking good doing it. Then he's going to hold that fucking bouquet with fucking pride. Okay? So I think people overanalyze the shit out of something that's supposed to be one day that you just celebrate with your family and, and really just be happy. And it's so funny now that I'm like in it and, and I won't deny, like I've gotten stressed and overanalyzed things and because you want it to be right. But like the end of the day, that's, that's not what it's about. So the moral of the story here, here is I can't wear any rouge at your wedding. The fact that you call it rouge, like that, the fact that you texted me and said, oh, no rouge killed me. It was like the funniest thing ever. That was probably one of the best texts I've gotten from you in a long time. And uh, they now call it blush now these days. And uh, you can you can wear blush if you if you feel like it, Richie. I, I don't even, yeah, I don't even know what it is. I don't I know. Nothing. I I know nothing about makeup. That was just the first word that came to my mind. And I was like, oh, that seems like a fancy word to looking good. It's very fancy and proper of you. It sounds like you, um, you're living in France in like the 1800s. <laughs> Delightful. Yeah. Uh, so probably not. Probably not. But yeah, you never know. You never know. So, um. Now that we've been going for almost an hour, I feel like it's time to wrap up now. Um, do you have anything else before we say goodbye? I do not. I have finished my whiskey, though. So that is about time to wrap up the show is the time when I finish my whiskey. Yes. Uh, mine's been gone for the last half hour. <laughs> so as I mentioned I'm a earlier. much slower whiskey drinker. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, as you should be. You should. It's. I said you sip it. You don't down it. I. I even was sipping mine, and I still finished it super quick. So. Yeah, I learned that the hard way because you know, trying to give a table to some people who were waiting, while I had some taste tests of um, of I guess expensive whiskey. I didn't realize it was expensive. Um, <laughs> And I was taking shots of it, and Richie looked like he was about to jump over the table and murder me himself. So um, I've learned very quickly that I am supposed to slowly enjoy it. Yes. That's your lesson, Sporty Nation, for the day. Enjoy. Don't don't take shots of whiskey. That's bad manners. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We will talk to you again on the next show, which is going to be on Monday, as I completely forget my days of the week. Also, I would like to point out that I'm very mad that uh, Game 1 of the Sun Series is Sunday afternoon, and I will not be able to watch it because I will be at work. And that makes me very angry. Um, so maybe I'll come down with a cough on Sunday so I can watch the Suns lose the Lakers, inevitably. You have to pull the uh, mean girls, the, I can't, I'm sick. <laughs> yeah, or the Zoolander with the black lung. I, I think I got the black lung pop. It's not very well ventilated down there. <laughs> and with that, good night and good hockey, everybody. <laughs>